Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. To his power that is at work within us. Then 21 says, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to read it in two other versions. The Passion Translation just gives it a bit of an understanding on it. It says, it says Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. When was the last time you had an incredible dream or you began to dream an impossible dream? And in message translation, it says, God can do anything, you know, more, far more than, all, and than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. So God, I love that in the uh, Amplified, it says God can do super abundantly more. So it's not just God can do a little bit more or a bit more or even just abundantly more. It says he can do super abundantly more. So it's like it's trying to make us understand that no matter what you ask for, God is able to do way more than that. You can have the most impossible prayer, the most impossible request, and have a dream that is like way, way out there going, that's not even possible for, you know, for that to happen. And God will go, yes, it is, because if it lines up with my word and what I want to do, then I'm able to do it, and it's not difficult for him. And I think that as we live and as we grow it's so easy to suddenly over the years or whatever you've been a Christian for a while to suddenly go oh and then you start to stop dreaming or you start to stop asking or you start to ask things that are you know not that difficult it says more than we ask or think so God wants you to ask him things we do that through prayer through requests and he wants you to think on things that are that are, that are big, that are great, that are not little, but large. You know, and if you go and talk to some of the best dreamers and the best people to ask are children and teenagers, because you go ask them when they're young and go, what do you think about this? And they will tell you the most amazing, massive dream. Because I haven't lived, because I'm gone, then I'm gone back. And so, and they will tell you the most amazing thing and and you'll think oh that's going to be impossible I'm going to be this I'm going to do this oh this is going to happen and God's going yes 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 just dream like one of them it's so easy to go oh but this life's happened and this happens and that happened and then our dreams get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and our requests get a bit larger and we get to the point we're going and it's almost you don't want to get to the point and I, this is why I don't think we always see the more, is that we get to a point where it's, it's something we can actually accomplish ourselves. And God goes, oh, well, I don't need to do anything. I'll just sit back and watch you then. Because you're not asking me for anything that might help. God wants you to ask for things that are so big that you cannot possibly do it yourself. But he wants to do it through you. So it says, more than you ask or think, 
infinitely beyond our greatest prayers. What's the greatest prayer you've ever prayed? Beyond our hopes, beyond our dreams. And it says, according to his power, working through us or through you. In other words, God doesn't want you to ask for something and sit back and go, okay, God, I'll watch you do it. Go for it. And I would say that, no, it's, he actually works through us. He wants his power working through you and accomplish the impossible through you. When you pray for someone or lay hands on the sick and they recover, God's doing that through you. When you're praying for someone, when you're believing for something like that, you're doing something practical, God wants to do it through you. And we do our part and God will do the rest. But he wants us to ask for something that is greater than we've ever thought of greater than every prayer. And he says, you can pray the greatest prayer, biggest request. And he said, I can still do more. I can still surprise you. Just ask me. It's almost like he's saying, I dare you. I dare you to ask for something this year that is so out there and watch me do it. Now, obviously, you don't ask for things that aren't lining up with the Word of God. God, I just need a billion dollars, I need a, I need a new car, I need a new... And just ask for all this stuff. God goes, well, you don't really need half of that. So he might bless you with something. He says, but if you start to ask for things that line up with his word, that draw people to Jesus, that save people, that bring people into lives being transformed and changed in whatever area, whether that's in church, in business, in school, or whatever workplace you're in, God can work in any aspect. You don't need to be on a platform in a church, you know, to see the more of God. You you don't need to be even serving in a church, even though we need to be. But you can be in your workplace serving. You can be in whatever aspect of life, every area of life. And God can do the more in every area because he wants to do it through you, in you and through you. So like I said before, why don't we always see the more of God? I think it's simply because we don't often ask for impossible things. We don't always think of impossible things. We don't always hope or dream for the impossible. Like that in, um, in the Passion it said, He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. When's the last time you have had an unbelievable dream? When's the last time you even dreamt at all? I mean, you know, you know, we have dreams at night, but sometimes we have a dream that's like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to see that happen. And maybe you, when you were younger, you had that dream and maybe it's kind of been put to the side and you're like, oh, it's too late now. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. He is able to. He wants you to dream. He wants you to ask. He wants you to think of impossible things and he wants you to ask him for them. In Matthew 7, 7 and 8, it says, Ask and keep on asking. Jesus said this, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. Notice it says, don't ask once and go, okay, God, you'll do it. If you don't do it, then you're just saying no. No, it's saying to ask and keep on asking. In other words, he wants us to be persistent. Sometimes he does answer you on the first ask. 
And sometimes it takes some time because I think God knows our character. He knows exactly what we need and how we need to do it and how, what it's going to do in our lives because he's interested in building you up as a person. And sometimes we need to learn to some persistence in our life and not just think it's a, we're not microwave Christians and he's not a microwave God where we put something in and put 30 seconds on there and go, it's going to arrive in 30 seconds, God. And if you don't do it, that means you don't love me. That means you don't care about me. And we come with all these rubbish excuses about God which aren't true because God isn't a microwave Christian. Sometimes he answers on the first ask. But other times, many times, he says, ask and keep on asking because I'm actually doing something in you. I'm building faith. I'm building resilience. I'm teaching you stuff in the midst of your asking. Keep on knocking and knocking and knocking. And he says it'll be opened if you just keep on knocking. Keep, get annoying. Annoy God. God. There's a story that Jesus ta- talked about in the Bible of this lady that kept going to this man and kept requesting this, requesting that. And at first he's like, no, 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 go away. And she came back again. I need this. I need this. And there's a wealthy guy. And, and he didn't need believing God, the Bible says. And he says, oh, no, no, go away. And she came back again and he got she came back at all hours of the day and all hours of the night ever had one of those neighbors and so and he goes and it finally goes oh man because you're so persistent I'm going to give you everything you asked for what do you need and he just gave her all that she needed because she kept persisting and Jesus said do that to God some of you thought oh I can't treat God like that he said do it Jesus said it. He said, it's okay. God actually loves our persistence. God actually loves it when we're saying, God, I know because we're asking, because she's asking with faith. I know that he had what I need. I know that God can do it, so I'm going to ask God until I see it happen. When was the last time you asked for something impossible? If we only ask or think about things that are achievable ourselves, like I said before, then God's just sitting back going, well, I'll leave that up to you. You don't need me. And he's like, come on, ask for something that's big. Ask for something that I can actually work through you and with you and teach you through it. Let's go for the impossible things. So what's the connection point of our asking? The connection point is faith. And I want to talk about faith for a moment because faith causes us to ask for impossible things that we can't do without God. In fact, you may have heard this phrase that faith is like the currency of heaven. You can't turn up to God and say, God, here's some physical money and and I'll give you this and, and I'll get my miracle. You can't buy things from God with physical money, with silver or gold. But faith is the connection point. Faith is the currency that connects you and God. Faith is what God is looking for. So what is faith? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, this amplified version says, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So faith sees spiritually. Faith believes something before it's even come to pass. That's what faith is. And so faith 
causes us to ask for impossible things because you're moving into faith is in the natural and in the supernatural. It, it works in both realms. You're asking for supernatural things, impossible things. Faith activates the Word of God. Faith activates the things of God. Some people say, oh, well, you know, I don't have faith or you know, and, and they might be a Christian. I've said, oh, well, I, need, I haven't got any faith or whatever to believe for that. You must have faith because you cannot be saved without faith, the Bible says. You only need a little bit. But it's actually, you have got faith because faith is what caused you to believe the Bible, the Word of God. Faith is what said, Jesus, I believed you died on that cross for me. And I believe that if I ask you, you'll come into my life and you'll forgive me. Now, we're talking about that's a supernatural prayer. It's not a physical thing. You go, oh, well, I asked you to forgive me. And it's not like you're changed. You look like totally different on the outside. But you're believing by faith that something supernatural has just happened in your life. And you've gone from darkness into life. You've just believed that when I die, I'm not going to die and go to, to hell. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to eternity with God because I simply connected my faith, my belief with Jesus. That's faith. It's real simple. And then faith connects everything. It's the same with healing. It's the same with miracle. The same amount of faith is need for healing that it is for salvation. So if, you, if you've asked Jesus into your life and, and, and you believe that he's forgiven you and you're going to heaven and you have eternal life, then that same faith is how you'll receive a miracle of healing. That same faith is all you need to connect for the impossible things of God. Now, are there different levels of faith? Yes, there is. Your, can your faith grow? Yes, it can. How does your faith grow? Romans 10, 17. It says, so faith comes or faith is increased from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ or the other version says the word of God. So basically, it's not complicated but necessary. In other words, when you read the word of God, when you read about what Jesus has done, when you read about miracles, when you read the promises of God in the Old and New Testament, every time you read the Word of God, you're actually increasing your faith. And so when people say, I've got no faith, probably the reason they've got no faith is they're probably not reading the Word of God. They're probably not regularly reading the Word of God. Or they're reading it, it's like, tick it off, tick it off, tick it off, tick it off, tick it off. You know, just get through it. Oh, look, I've I read the Bible in a year. What did God say? I have no idea. I had to read it so quickly I can't remember any of it. <laughs> You're better off reading a paragraph a day and not worry about getting through the Bible in a year and let it speak to you and read it again and again. One, the, one version says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. In other words, hearing again and hearing again and hearing again. So if you, so if you need a need in your life, maybe you need healing in your body, then grab every scripture on healing and put it in front of you. It's real easy these days. We've got Google and we've got Bible apps. You don't have to go physically through the Bible. You can, but it take you longer. But you can grab all the scriptures and you print them out or you put them in one place. And I guarantee you grab that every day and you begin to read that. And in a week's time, you'll have faith up here, believing that God is able to heal me. God is able to set me free. Whatever it is, God is able to do it because you're increasing your faith by reading the Word of God. That's how you increase your faith. And most problems would be solved 
if we all grabbed our Bibles and every day spent a bit more time in the Word of God and, and not just read it, but read it over and over again until it gets inside of us and you read something and you've read a thousand times before, but when you read it and you say simply say, God, speak to me today and suddenly something will jump out of you and something will come alive in you. And I guarantee you, if we all did that, then half the stuff we're going through, God, you will, I know God's going to do it. And when we meet with someone in prayer or lay hands on the sick, you go, I know God's going to do it because I've been reading the Word of God and it's telling me I'm so full of faith. I just believe he's going to do it. So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. When you read about the miracles, every time I read about the stories and miracles of Jesus, you're like, man, God do it again like we sang this morning. And he has been doing it again many, many, many times. And you can read books after books of miracles and revivals and all the incredible, and I've read some up here of, a, of ma- amazing moves of God, and God is doing it now. I talked to um, someone who was a politician, a family member, and a member he told me once a guy from Africa came to Canberra and visited. He was a pastor, and he got to spend some time with him. And he said, this was probably 15 years ago, and he said, oh, and he started chatting about all the things that God was doing, and he said, I've witnessed alone 7,000 people raised from the dead. And we hear nothing about it. And he said it's in villages and places that are, haven't got hospitals. And he said their only hope... They can't get to a hospital in time, so the only hope is prayer. And they lay hands on the sick and God raises them up. And so that stuff's happening all the time. And God is at work all the time. And we just have to dare to believe and pray impossible prayers that he will do the more that we're seeking him to do. Jesus was always looking for faith. He was looking for people that had a measure of faith. He was always encouraging people, and especially his disciples, to increase their faith. Sometimes they were, he had all these disciples with him all the time. Suddenly, sometimes they had the least amount of faith than other people, and they're with Jesus all the time. But he always put them in situations that caused them to be like, you've got to step out in faith. One of them was feeding of the 5,000. Jesus ultimately did it, but he said to them, they're hungry. You feed them. Why did he say that? Because he's saying, I want to see how much faith you've got. And they're like, and so straight away going to practical, oh, but it's going to cost, it's going to cost so much money. You know, we haven't got that money. We're not wealthy. We're not rich. We can't go. And the town's so far away to buy all the food. And Jesus was not talking practical. He's talking supernatural because faith is supernatural. So he's trying to lift them out beyond the natural and go, hey, there's a greater, there's a greater realm that I'm trying to teach you here. And he says, you feed them. They're like, we can't do that. We can't do that. That's impossible. That's, that's just too difficult. And he goes, oh, well, what have you got? He says, I'll show you the impossible. So he said, and this little boy Gives up his lunch, five loaves, two fish, and says, what do you got? He goes, oh, you can have this. And they're like looking at like, what's that? And they're like, oh, this is pointless. Rubbish. And Jesus says, no. And he just prays. He goes, oh, go, get, go get a basket each. And he says, just praise. And all of a sudden, as they start, he prays. And as they start grabbing this bread and tearing it, it just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And they had more left than when they started. More left than when they started. And, and the disciples are freaking out. You know, they're, and they, for days later, you read they're in the boat and they're still talking about it because they can't believe what happened. And, and Jesus is saying, guys, this is so easy. He was trying to say, this is not difficult. This is normal. 
Christian life. He said, faith connects to the supernatural, to the impossible. And he's trying to extend their faith, increase their faith. What about they're in the storm in the boat? Jesus, they're going through this horrendous storm trying to get to the other side. And Jesus is sleeping. And they all think they're going to die. It's that bad. And, they're asleep, and they wake him up going, help, we're going to die, we're going to die. There's horrendous storm. And he's like, what? You know, he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, and he gets up and looks at him and goes, just stands there and goes, be still. And the ocean just suddenly, the sea goes suddenly still. And they're all sitting there amazed. And he looks at them and goes, you little faith. Where's your faith, guys? Come on, haven't you seen all this stuff I've been doing? Haven't you learned anything from the feeding of the 5,000? Haven't you learned anything, all this stuff? He says, where's your faith? As if we were going to die. I'm sleeping up the front of the boat. I'm not going to die yet. It's all good. And so he's trying to increase their faith. So there's different levels of faith. Some had a little faith, like in that instance in the boat with the disciples. Other people, I guess you could say, had a sort of a normal standard level of faith. And some had great faith. There's a couple of people in the Bible where Jesus meets and talks to, and he says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. You have great faith. Okay? And I want to read you one of them. And it's the most unlikely person. If you look at the culture, it's a Roman centurion who was the government, part of the government who the Jews hated, who they didn't want, they were controlling everything, controlling their lives. But he comes to Jesus. This guy had been either seen stuff or heard about Jesus, and he was a different guy. And it says in Matthew 8, 5 to 10, it says, As Jesus went to Capernaum, a centurion came up to him, begging him for help and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed with intense and terrible tormenting pain. So obviously it's a person in his house that he loves a lot. And Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion replied to him, Lord... I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I'm also a man subject to authority of a higher rank with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to a slave, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who were following him, I tell you truthfully, I have not found such great faith as this with anyone in Israel. I can imagine he probably turned to all his disciples. He's like, see that? You couldn't even believe for some bread to increase or fish. He just, he just doesn't even need me to come to his house. Don't, doesn't expect me to even lay hands on the sick like he would have seen. He just said, just speak a word. It'll happen because he understood authority. He understood who Jesus was more than the disciples did at that point. He, this guy's got authority. He doesn't have to even come. If he just says it, something supernatural is about to happen. And then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done for you as you have believed. So that's talking about faith, as done as you believed. He had great faith, he had great belief, believed who Jesus was, and that's what got him the miracle. That's what the super, that was the supernatural connection point. And the servant was restored to health at that very hour. So the very moment Jesus, Jesus said it, he was healed. Another version of that, when you read the story, he was, he's on death's door, he's about to die. And he was healed. 
that very much. So it would have taken, I don't know, whether it was a day's walk, a half a day's walk to get home. Centurion goes home, arrives back, and the servant's completely well. And he would have said, when did that happen? And they would have told him the time. It was the exact moment Jesus said it. Why was it great faith? Why was it just, it wasn't little faith? It wasn't normal faith? It was great faith. Because the centurion believed Jesus could heal just by saying a word. Just by saying a word. It's like, it's like, you, it's like us, you know, someone being prayed for and, and they were going to lay hands. And we go, oh no, you don't have to lay hands. Just say it. Just believe with me. And God will do it. It's kind of like that. Where you're just saying, I, just, I believe God's going to do it. Where it's agree, agree together. The centurion understood authority, understood who Jesus was. And then we see another story in Jesus' hometown. The people, some of his family members and others, had a lack of faith. And the Bible says because of their lack of faith, because they said, oh, it's just Jesus. He's our cousin, just an ordinary guy. There's nothing special about him. And the Bible says because of their lack of faith, he couldn't do any miracles in his hometown. And he healed a couple of sick people. That was it. Remember we talked before about the difference between healing and a miracle. He wanted to, there was people there that needed a miracle. And Jesus couldn't do it because they had no faith. They just didn't believe it. And so you say, oh, God can do whatever he wants. No. No, he doesn't work that way. He connects with faith. So we say, oh, God can just do it. God's in control. God's... God does things according to his word and, and works in authority and power, which is released through you and me, which is accessed via faith. So he will move when we speak faith into situations. And if we do nothing, nothing will happen. If we can sit back and say, God, just do this. And God's saying, no, you get up, read my word, exercise your faith, and then watch me move through you. Uh, it's true. And sometimes we say, oh God, why isn't God doing more? Because we're not doing more. That's true. That's nothing to say, we, you know, oh, you should have you'd, you'd done this or you haven't done that or that's terrible. No, it's just, it's just saying, hey, let's go. Let's just rise up. Let's step in further. Let's exercise our faith. Let's increase our faith and we're going to see God do more. There's so much more that God wants to do that we've never even seen yet. We have, if we could see what God sees over our city and over our church, we'd be scared. But we haven't seen it yet because we haven't stepped out in faith. So God's saying, come on, let's, this year, let's step out in faith. Let's grab the word and read it. Let's, it's, it's encouraged. And you don't have to do a lot. You just have to just, just do what God wants you to do. Ask God, what do you want me to do? And be obedient to his word when he calls you to do something. I want to end with this story. It's about Lazarus rising from the dead. So Jesus increased people's faith by showing them more. There was instances in the Bible where Jesus said, I want to show you more okay, than you've seen. And this is one of those stories. So it says in John 11, 1 to 7, then 11 to 46, it says, Now a certain man named Lazarus was sick. He was in Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. 
It was the Mary who anointed the Lord, that's Jesus, with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, our brother and your friend, so Jesus knew them. He was very good friends with the family whom you love. He's sick. And when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. But on the contrary, it is for the glory and honor of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus, lo- um, Jesus loved and was concerned about Martha and her sister and Lazarus and considered them dear friends. So even when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed in the same place two more days. Then he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. So they, wanted, they sent messages basically saying, come now. He's really sick. Now, what they meant was he's about to die. He's that sick, all right? This is urgent. Jesus, come back. You need to come back now. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to wait here a few more days. And they're like, what? But this is your best friend. This is someone you love. But he did it for a reason. He said this, and after that, we, I'll just skip down to verse 11. He said this, and after that, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to there to wake him up. The disciples answered, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. However, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was referring to his natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, because you have to be plain with some of these disciples, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> Let's make that clear. So he knew before he even left Lazarus had died and he wasn't so that's a supernatural gift working if you just pick that up real quick Jesus is in one place two days away or whatever and he knows the moment when Lazarus just died and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there (laughs) so that you may believe but let us go to him then oh then I love this line then Thomas dear Lord Thomas Then Thomas, who was called Didymus the twin, said to his fellow disciples, this is someone full of, you know, encouragement, let us go too that we may die with him. In other words, let's just all go there and let's all die together. Like he was so, so full of encouragement and, uh, you know, full of faith. Thomas was, if you want faith, go talk to Thomas. Like I imagine Jesus would have turned around and gone, it's like, what was that? So, G- so when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus was already had been in the tomb for four days. That's significant. I'll tell you why in a moment. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to see Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning the loss of their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him while Mary remained sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask, for, ask of God, God will give it to you. So she had faith for healing, right? She had faith, and that's where they all believed Jesus would come and heal. No problem. That was their faith level. Jesus, if you come now before he dies, it's all good. But they didn't have faith to raise someone from the dead because they hadn't seen it before. So Jesus told her, your brother will rise from the dead. Martha replied, I know that he will rise from the dead in the resurrection on the last day. So she's talking about in the future. We all rise up. We all rise from the dead. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in and hears to, trusts in, relies on me as Savior will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me as Savior, that's salvation, will never die. He's talking about eternal life. Do you believe this? 
It's a key line. He says, do you believe? Do you believe that I can raise someone from the dead now, Martha? Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed and continue to believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the Son of God. She talks about everything else she believes apart from the resurrection. He who was destined and promised to come into the world. And it's for you the world has waited. So she she listed everything she believed in, but didn't go to raising from the dead. After she had said this, she left and called her sister Mary, privately whispering to her, the teacher is here and asking for you. And when she heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her, they're helping her to mourn basically, saw how quickly Mary got up and left, they followed her, assuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And when Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, same thing, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not, not died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews who had come with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved to the, in spirit to the point of anger at the sorrow caused by death and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And G, the, Bible, the shortest version of the Bible, and Jesus wept because he was overcome with seeing them so upset. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him as a close friend. That's talking about Jesus' love for Lazarus. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the blind eyes have kept this man from dying? So Jesus, again, deeply moved within to the point of anger, probably at their comment, approached the tomb. It was a cave and a boulder was lying against it to cover the entrance. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an offensive odor. In other words, he'll stink. For he has been dead for four days. It is hopeless. Now, why did Jesus wait the time? And I'll tell you why. Because in Jewish culture, it is believed the soul hovers around the body for three days after death, hoping for re-entrance. But once the body starts to decompose and the corpse changes color, the soul knows there is no going back and departs once and for all. Now, keep in mind, that's Jewish, that is not scripture and that is not what God said, but that's what they believed in their culture. So Jesus waited an extra day to make this miracle so impossible that they, because they could say, oh, it's three days, the soul was just hovering there and he came back in. But Jesus waited a fourth day when they said, it's hopeless. There's no possible way that he can come back to life now. The whole situation is hopeless. So Jesus deliberately waited to show them more, to show them the impossible. So Jesus said to her, did, you, did I not say to you that if you believe in me, you will see the glory of God, the expression of his, of his excellence? So they took away the stone and Jesus raised his eyes towards heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me and listen to me, but I have said this because of the people standing around so that they may believe that you have sent me and that you have made me your representative. And when he had said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Why did he say Lazarus? Because there was other bodies in other tombs. And if he had just said, come out, everyone would have come out. And that would have been a day to remember. 
Out came the man who had been dead, his hands and feet tightly wrapped in burial cloths, which were linen strips, and with a burial cloth wrapped around his face. Jesus said to them, Unwrap him and release him. So then many of the Jews who had come to be with Mary and who were eyewitnesses to what Jesus had done believed in him. But some of them went back to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So everyone would have been in utter shock. And the coming Chosen series has this whole scene in the next series of Lazarus coming out of the tomb. They would have been in utter shock. And in the midst of this, what you're going to need to understand, even when there's miracles and healing stuff happen, many believed, but that last line says they went back to the Pharisees. And if you read the next passage of Scripture, that moment on they planned to kill Jesus. Because he could do what they couldn't. Because they were losing control. They didn't carry the authority and power. They didn't like it that he was who he said he was. And so they planned. There's always, listen to me, when God moves in power, there will always be people that will condemn it. And I know it gets frustrating, and I know it's upsetting. You think, why would you ever, how could you not believe? How could you not see? But for whatever reason, the enemy works in different people in different ways, and there will always be criticism when God's doing amazing things. Don't be pulled down by criticism. Some of you have stopped dreaming and believing because you've been had people come against you and said things and pulled, pulled you down and said, oh, no, it's, I don't believe in that, I don't want to believe in that, and you felt criticized and say, oh, you've taken a step back. But God will always back you up when you step out in faith. Don't be worried about people will try and pull you down don't be worried about the criticism or the negativity trust in God believe in God walk with God walk by faith and not by sight don't worry about what is being said around you God is much bigger than everything that is happening around you he's a supernatural God that can do mighty things in a moment and transform situations in a moment transform cities and cultures in a moment it's happened through history he can do it if we're willing to step out in faith and believe the impossible worship team want to come up as we finish today so Jesus wanted to show them more. He delayed his return just so he could say, this is, this is another level of faith. This is what I want you to believe for. There is so much more than you haven't seen. There's so much more that I haven't shown you. And he's increased their faith. He's dared them to step out and believe for something more. They believed to a certain level that Jesus could heal. But once Lazarus was dead, it was too late. But Jesus said, no, it's not too late. You may have believed, you may have faith, this much faith. And you said, oh God, you know, if you'd have done it then, it would have been okay. But God's saying, no, it's not over. There is more. There's no, I can still do what you're asking me to do. But God, it seems like an impossible situation. Well, even if the person's dead, it's not a possible situation for Jesus. Whatever situation is, whatever dream it is, whatever you need more of, whatever you've been asking for, he simply asks, Martha, do you believe this? And he asks you today, do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus can do more? Do you believe that he can do more through your life? Do you believe that he can do that thing that you're believing for, that you're asking for? What is it? What's the impossible thing you can ask for this year? Maybe there's many. I felt today, to the end of the at the end of this service, to there's people here I know who have family members and friends that don't know Jesus. 
And I really felt for people at the end of this service to come out and stand in the gap. Because I know that if you've got family members that don't know Jesus, maybe you've been praying for them for many years. And for you, the more is God transform them, save them, bring them to you. And, and it might seem like an impossible situation. And they might be so far away from God. And you think that's the last thing that happened. They're just living a life that's so, they don't, they've said, I don't want anything to do with it. There's been plenty of people who have said that they don't, do, don't want anything to do with God. And then a month later, they've suddenly find themselves saved, transformed. It happens all the time. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.